Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Like, this is quality entertainment. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right. We're jammed going in here the rest of the way. We've got questions here. Roy Smalley later in the hour. Matthew Collar from training camp. Thad Levine if you missed it yesterday. And Murph. Some questions. Old Jimbo. Let's throw some questions. Let's start out here. We did just kind of talk about this, but I made a follow-up question, so I'm not just copying what you guys did. Uh, it doesn't look good for Urban Meyer at Ohio State. If they choose to part ways with him, we, we kind of already went into this, but will he be blacklisted from coaching, or do you think a team gets desperate in the next you know four or five years and, and gives him another chance? If all of this holds up, that it was accurate with the with the text messages and all of that. Oh, I think that he probably um, it probably takes about four years. And don't forget too, he's not going to be. I don't think he's going to be fired with without a check coming his way. Ohio State's going to pay him to go away, so he's going to be able to sort of slink back into the shadows here and uh, and enjoy himself and have a decent payday for it. And then he will reemerge at some point. I don't think he's done. No, no, these guys are never done. They just wait for time to pass, and then they seek forgiveness, and then they tell you their sob story, and and football fans will be like, you know what, I don't really care about your sob story. Can you win us games? Yeah. So quickly forgotten it's gonna need it will probably it will probably pay out with with, or play out with him going away for a decent sized payday uh and it will be a while before he comes back but within three years some school will be desperate you're right still like like relatively young by coaching standards he's in his mid-50s so he was when when he was at bowling green in utah in the early 2000s that dude was that dude was in his 30s just racking up wins and eventually got the florida job i think if he gets let go from Ohio State, they'd have. My guess is there'd be some sort of sitting out period for him. Like Bruce Pearl had a had a period in in uh, college basketball. Didn't um, what's his name Bobby Petrino have a period or something where they just, like you can't coach? Yeah, is it show cause? Yeah, show cause. I don't know if this would would qualify for that, but I mean you're yeah. you're not going. He's not going to get a job. I don't think in 2019. Yeah. He's a, he's such a great college football coach that he would get a job somewhere else. I don't know if it'd be a big prestigious school that would be the next team to take a chance on him. Mm-hmm. What about NFL? He, he's never coached in the NFL. He's never been a position coach, assistant coach. 
but he's been so hmm. great in college. Hmm. Interesting. And he obviously has an amazing eye for talent. I'd wonder if he could be some sort of a position coach to start with or a coordinator. Maybe even if, if there's a team that would take a chance on him as a head coach. Uh, perhaps he could be a consultant uh, sounding board type for uh, Belichick. Are they tight? I sure think, I'm I think sure they're buddies, yeah. Before. And Belichick, didn't he just hire, uh, um, he just hired uh, Bielema as some type of consultant really? type. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, B- oh B- yeah. B- he's buffet consultant? Or? <laughs> hey, listen, he's tapping to all sorts of great football minds. <laughs> That's not a bad. That's not a bad guess. Now there like are some it. like like a lot of the top successful college coaches who've dabbled in the NFL. So so Pete Carroll, um, Nick Saban went to the, went to the Dolphins for a while. Those guys had roots in the NFL as position coaches. Saban had Belichick roots with Cleveland in the early nineties. And coordinator, right? Yeah, and Urban Urban Meyer has no NFL roots, but I guess this could be the path that leads him. Maybe. Just a quick follow-up question before I get to the next one. Uh, who wins the Big Ten East this year? I, it's got to still be Ohio State, so? right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Michigan, I, I don't trust Michigan or Harbaugh. Or Harbaugh, I agree with that. I do Buckeyes. trust Harbaugh, but I don't. I, there's been something off about Yeah, they just have never, they've never been the top of the league team. What that, about Penn State? I know they lost Saquon yeah. Barkley, but James Franklin does a great job. I like McSorley. Like I, I think he's a good quarterback. But look at you rolling off all the Big Ten quarterbacks right Big now. Big Ten East, you're just going through it. I, I say, I say it's still the Buckeyes. I think they'll still do it. Both of you guys were in on the Twins making a serious run at at uh, Manny Machado, but how would you feel about them if they made a run and actually signed one of the other top, let's say, three free agents who happen to be uh, Bryce Harper, Dallas Keuchel, Josh Donaldson? Josh Donaldson and Dallas Keuchel, it would have to be short-term deals. And if you sign Josh Donaldson, assuming he's going to play third base, it would mean, just like Machado, that Miguel Sano is either traded away or is your first baseman slash DH. You would just be expediting that process. I think they still have dreams of him playing third base for a couple of years, that, hey, he lost some weight. Uh, but Donaldson's like, he's got to be 32, 32. 33. He's, okay. he's breaking down, too. He is. He's really breaking down. But I would take a flyer on him if he wanted a one or two year make good contract or something, or if that's all you could get. I I would. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Keuchel worries me a little because he's in his thirties now too, mm-hmm. and he's had some neck issues. He's been up and, and down the season as well, right? Yeah, he's he's fine, but it's possible he's going to make. He's going to get more than Lance Lynn got because he's not coming off Tommy John surgery. So we're talking like fifteen plus million dollars for a guy like that, maybe on a two or three year deal. I don't know. I mean, three years, forty-five million for a for a Dallas Keuchel, but I wouldn't go crazy on a long-term deal for you, either one of those guys. You said Harper was the other one. Harper oh, is God, obviously the, so much the second big one, but that would be so much fun. It would ten years, <laughs> I want it forty so... million dollars. There's zero chance you would be interested in no. playing here. But... Where's he going? Do you think now? The the long thought was always the Cubs, right? I wouldn't be shocked if he goes back to Washington. Yeah. That's if, a, if they made him a huge offer and he said some dysfunction right. there. Yeah. Um no on on the first two. Donaldson's uh breaking down and he is a weird dude. By all accounts, he's a really mm-hmm. weird guy. Heard that too. And this team doesn't have the, the ability to absorb that. Like if they still had Tory or or if they if they had a clubhouse that I had faith in. But if you introduce a loose cannon like Donaldson into that clubhouse, I think it's a bad idea. And especially since he is, uh, since I think you've you got to count on the fact that he'll make at least one, if not two trips to the DL probably in 2019. Uh, Keiko, we're seeing regression now. There is, I am not touching a pitcher for term 
unless I unless he's young. I'm not touching a pitch. I can I can develop pitching, and if I happen to stumble upon one that I can get at a decent age. Um, but the worst, the worst thing for, for the most part, and there's a few guys here and there who this is not true about. But the worst thing, play the Tiger Sounder. I'll stop right now. Wait, what happened? Max just went nuts. <laughs> Fifty foot bob for birdie on eight. Yes! Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, John. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. My answer can wait. I, I, it'll, Bang. That was worth it. Um, the Bang. Wor- the worst thing that, that you can do, unless it's a rare pitcher, I think, is to sign a guy like Keuchel to a decent-sized contract because the next thing you know, it bites you right in the butt. So, no on both to me. Uh, Josh, remember when Josh Donaldson, when he played for the A's, and he hit a 500-foot foul ball to left field? off a perk. And, and, and Glenn didn't like him staring at the foul ball and he then said, struck him out on the next pitch and chirped at him, and they had to be separated. Yeah. <laughs> Joe was right out there, though. Oh, yeah. Joe came flying out. Was Joe? Joe wasn't catching, was he? Uh, I think Joe. Was I think that might have been Joe's first year at first base, maybe. Okay, so yeah, Joe, Joe, Joe came right in, pulled the brass knuckles out of the pocket. Well, Joe said, "You, you want down. some of this, Josh? Give you a knuckle sandwich. You want <laughs> some of knuckle this? sandwich? Jeez, Josh, get away." The NFL obviously is is the league with the most year to year surprise teams that either pop up or struggle. I want both of you to give me one team that will rebound from last year, as well as one that will struggle unexpectedly. I'm going to struggle is um, is Jacksonville. Defense is still good, but guys, you're bringing Blake Bortles back, and you really think it's going to work again? You can lose a lot of close games. So I, I think Jacksonville uh, for sure is going to regress. My surprise, and this is not, I'm not guaranteeing a playoff here. I think the Bears. The Bears, are, it's been a while, but if Trubisky can now start to emerge, the Bears' defense in 2017 was pretty damn good. I think it comes back and is good again. They've got a young coach now. The offense, they made some nice moves there. I think the Chicago Bears are going to surprise. Hmm. I have three teams I think are, are going to rebound. And the, and the Bears, the, I don't know, the, define a rebound for the Bears. I don't think the Bears are going to make the playoffs. But if they won seven games. Above they w- 500, I think. I, I yeah, think they can win nine games. I mean, they went 5-11 and 11 last year. I have seven wins for them. But I, I I wrote down for teams that are going to rebound, the Colts, if Andrew Luck stays healthy, and I, th- I think he's going. I mean, the guy sat out for a year, so be healthy. Um, <laughs> that that team. <laughs> Just <healthy>. do it. <laughs> um, so I would say them, the, the Jets, look like they've got finally some things happening at quarterback. And uh, and the and the Jets play in a weak division. I know they're going to lose to the Patriots twice, but they got Buffalo twice. They got the Dolphins twice. They play a last place schedule, so I could see them finishing above five hundred. In fact, I predicted that early in our uh, in in the week in our NFL predictions. And then the other team, I, I legit think this could be a playoff team from three wins to playoffs. The New York Giants, Saquon Barkley, Pat Shermer, Eli Manning rejuvenated with a new coach. Odell Beckham Jr., I, I really think that that team could knock on the door of 9 or 10 wins. Tough division, tough conference, but people are sleeping on them. So, team that's going to regress, Eagles. It happens all the time anyways. And the, and the Eagles probably play most of the year with Nick Foles. So, we've got this romanticized version of Nick Foles in our head about just the last two games he played against the Vikings and the Patriots. And he was amazing in those games. But do we think Nick Foles is really going to sit in that cockpit again and not have some turbulence for the first, let's say, When's eight weeks of the to, season? Supposed to play. I mean, he had have surgery at the end of the year. Yeah, it was. I think he tore his ACL like week 
12 or 11 or 12, something like that. Yeah, it's the Rams, yeah. It was the December 10th or something. And they're not, my guess is they're not going to rush him back before mm-hmm. October or November. Mm-hmm. So if Nick Foles is your starter and you play a tough schedule and everyone's gunning for you, and let's say he doesn't perform at a Super Bowl MVP caliber level again, I could see, I could see the Eagles flirting with Eagles that, fans hate that you playoff for this. line. They hate you for this. For this? They already hate you, and now they hate you more. I think it may have been hey, the, the rant from six months ago. Here's that a beer can. Eat this beer can, Mackie. Going to throw you a beer can at you. Heard that a few times when I was in Philly last I week. you did. Um, okay, you have a thought on where Adrian Peterson might surface next. Yes, I think I have figured it out. It took me some time, but I think I know where AP is going to play next. We'll talk to Roy Smalley in about 15 minutes. Matthew Collar from training camp. Some quick training camp news when we come back as well regarding a highly paid offensive lineman that we were worried about yesterday. And uh, and Thad Levine, we're going to play that in the in the noon hour too. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. ESPN. The Minnesota United are back in Minneapolis this Saturday to take on the Seattle Sounders. Tune in at 6.30 p.m. for the pre-match show with Brian Pyatt, followed by a kickoff at 7 p.m. with Dan Terrar. Catch all the action right here on 1500 ESPN. Thanks, Murph. All right, Roy Smalley in about 10 or 12 minutes from right now. Real quick, a tweet from our Elam Ending Basketball Tournament conversation. That tournament that's airing on ESPN, I think the semifinals and finals are this weekend, where they stop the clock and they get rid of it after the four-minute mark of the fourth quarter, and they just tack on seven points to the winning team score, and that's the target score, and whoever gets to that score first wins the game. So you get walk-off wins for every game. You don't have the foul festival in the last minute that plagues basketball. It's just teams playing defense and looking to get to that X amount of points. And and Mike tweets in, imagine J.R. Smith, two points away from the target score, grabbing an offensive rebound (laughs) under the hoop, dribbling out to chuck an off-balance three. That's good. (laughs) That's probably exactly right, too. And LeBron in a Lakers uniform just laughing because it doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) Or pointing at him. He will never live that down, nor should he. Um, training camp update. Mike Remmers was spotted in a walking boot yesterday, which isn't good. Two days made, ago. Two days ago. Yep. So he's at practice, but not practicing, but he doesn't have a walking boot today. Yep. So and he is like no walking boot. It's progress. And, uh, I, I believe that Rashad Hill is the right tackle is back at practice today after missing a few days because of a uh, flu symptom. So they've got Panic averted. They've got one. Well, hopefully. Hopefully it's not a chronic problem for Mike. Chronic. Chronic problem that's going to plague him throughout the year because they didn't get a right guard when they should have. Yeah, but they got a quarterback and they got a defensive tackle. They could have drafted a right guard. They drafted drafted a kicker. What do you mean? This is the only. They traded up in the fifth round to draft a kicker. I'll never get it. And by the way, I I was out there a couple days ago and said kicker young Daniel Carlson, of course, missed a field goal attempt. How, How many yards? It was it, like 35. It I heard about that. It shouldn't have been missed. It was 35. And the quarterback threw a pick. Oh, there's a lot of fans now, Alexander picked it. That was good, but the quarterback threw a pick. The starting QB threw a pick. Carlson missed a field goal attempt, but besides that, everything's fine at Egan. Vikings.com uh, said the wind uh, uh, oh, unexpectedly picked up. Of course and, it did. <laughs> and he pulled it wide left, actually. Well, guess what? He's going to have to kick in wind when he's not playing here. Week two at uh, Green Bay. Guess what, Daniel Carlson? Make the field goal. Hey, at least at least the quarterback. I'm not worried about the interceptions because I know how smart the quarterback is. Tom Compton and I used to be big into moon phases like Wayne and Gibbises. And, really? Yep. And then we got big into uh, 
periods of time, like uh, a fortnight is two weeks. A coon's age is three to seven years. Um, a megasecond is like 11 seconds or something, or like 11 days. Can you imagine that's just him in the huddle? Like, okay, what's the play, dude? I, we, I need the play call. How, it's a waning give us. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get big into that? So, like, like, what does that mean exactly? Like, you just sit there with Tom Compton, if you're Kirk, and you start talking about, hey, you know, Fortnite. I, yeah, I think it's called YouTube and or Wikipedia rabbit holes is how you get into that. It's happened to all of us. You click on something in Wikipedia, and all of a sudden you're reading about waning gibbuses, and yeah, where is the night gone? Do you fall down that, that hole? I mean, that's a hole that I wouldn't think that you or I would fall down, to be I honest I fall down the you. Yacht Rock hole. Well, but, yeah, but that's like, entertaining music to you. I, I get that. Like, if he had said that, judge his taste that Compton and, and I have a Yacht Rock fetish, I, I'd get that. <laughs> fetish. <laughs> I mean, we have a music fetish. I, I get that. Fetish. I can understand oh, that. that. <laughs> All right, anyways. All right, I got a... I, so... so as you know, I'm big on telling guys when when to quit playing. And Adrian Peterson to me strikes me as a guy who 1,000% should find a podium somewhere or find a, find a, a Twitter account somewhere and announce that it's been a great run, but you know what? I'm not w- with a team in camp, and I'm going to retire. And in five years, I'll talk to you again when I go into Canton because I do think that at some point in time here, he is going to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Sure. Um, but he's not going to. You know it. I know it. Right now, he's waiting for a job. He's waiting for a job, and and if he was, uh, to circle back on a conversation that we've had a thousand times before, if he was a complete back, I think he might get a job, but at his age, he can do one thing, or he could do one, one thing really well, that's run the football, and as an aging running back who can't really block and doesn't catch that well, I think a lot of National Football League teams, if he calls them, are going to say, you know what, you were a great player, but no thanks. I found his next landing spot. Okay. And in fact, in fact, this will probably be a write that down as well, but it's too good not to bring up today. The Alliance of American Football is going to launch in February. I don't know the exact n- number of teams that there are already, but there have been a few awarded. Birmingham, Alabama has one, and uh, Trent Richardson, who is the guy, if I'm not mistaken, that the Vikings and Browns flipped first-round draft picks for back in the Khalil draft, uh, was taken by Cleveland, washed out, was terrible. He is signed with the Birmingham franchise. The Atlanta franchise, Brad Childress is going to coach that team. Michael Vick is going to be the offensive coordinator. I have no idea what this league is going to pay, and my guess is it's not too much, but they start in February. If Peterson finds a job, it'll be short-term. He'll go play for a team briefly, mm-hmm. but he will still be convinced that if he just gets a chance to show himself on a consistent basis that he can still have a career. Hmm. Brad Childress and the Atlanta franchise in the Alliance of American Football will be his next team. Interesting. They have eight teams in the Alliance of American okay, Football. Okay, so they're update. In fact, on the homepage of their website, you can put a $50 season ticket deposit down. It's very easy with the click of a button. The uh, well, No, thank you, by the way. Oh, by the way, they're all just like, it's Alliance Atlanta, Alliance Birmingham, Alliance Memphis. So are they not naming their teams? So they're not giving them nicknames? I don't know. Maybe they're not that far in the in the process. Do, how far along in the roster construction are they? Well, they're they just waiting on some, NFL guys to get cut. That's and, my guess. Yeah. Okay. Because there there are some guys who have signed, but I don't think I don't think it's a ton at this point. So it's Atlanta, Birmingham, okay, Memphis, okay. South. You know, it's sure. Orlando, Phoenix, San Antonio, San Diego, and Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no frigid. You should put one in Duluth. <laughs> 
Duluth Eskimos, bring them back. The real men of football. Bring the Eskimos back. Uh, I'm trying to, so I like your theory here. The XFL would be another option in 2020 if they get off the ground. Uh, But I don't know. Is his ego going to allow him to go play for a minor league, essentially? Like, is his ego, is his love for football greater or is his ego greater? Because if his ego is greater, he's not going to play in the Alliance of American Football. Except for the fact that I don't think he's going to get a fair shake in the National Football League this season. He might play for a team briefly. Oh, he'll get a fair shake. But it'll be that he's not playing. okay. Like, okay, but in his mind. Okay. So his ego, his ego right now. I think if you were to go to him right now and say, uh, "Wait till February and come play in this upstart league," he would say, "Absolutely not." But I think as the season progresses on and he realizes nobody's calling him and nobody cares, his ego is going to be such to say, "I'm going to prove them all wrong. I'm still great. I'm still fantastic." He yeah. is the one thing he's always lacked is a sense of of reality of where he's at as a player. And in some ways, at some points, that's been a huge help. I think it's a hindrance now. But I think the ego part of trying to prove everybody wrong by saying how great I am and I'll show you is going to lead him down this path. Can you name the coaches? There are eight head coaches in the Alliance of American Football. Oh, I, so you know well, you Childress in Atlanta. I, I want to say I want to say Steve Spurrier got a job in that league. He did. Is that that in Florida? Orlando. Okay. All right. So I've got two. It keeps there's it keeps scrolling on me. Did you say there's eight oh, already? Yeah. There's only one that I haven't heard of. Tim Lewis. I don't know who Tim Lewis is. He All coaches right. Birmingham. I don't know the rest. Everyone else, and in fact, there's there's one with major Vikings ties here. He was on the assistant coaching staff not long ago. Mike Singletary is oh, the head coach of Memphis. I forgot about that. That's right. Okay, keep going. Rick Neuheisel's coaching Phoenix. He's got some good bets into that one, yeah. Dennis Erickson is coaching Salt Lake. Dennis Erickson is still coaching for a long time. Well, he's going to be think, around. I don't 80. think he was for a while. Was he a college coach? He was a college yeah, coach for a while. Miami, like twice. Uh, Mike Riley is going to coach San Antonio, <laughs> and Mike Martz is going to coach San Diego. Oh, I had no idea. Mike Martz. Mike Martz. Yes. Because he was doing some some media work about a year ago, I think he was trying to get into to this end of the business. And you know that I did that, not know that. That um, oh wow, okay. You know Bill Polian is one of the co-founders of this yeah, league. Yeah. Do you know who the head of player relations is? One of the greatest safeties in NFL history. Head of player relations. No. Who? Troy Polamalu. Wow. You see, you uh, see, they, this is more. This is it. They have an, they have Adrian's another going to play in this league. I can player feel relations executive Heinz Ward and Jared Allen is also part of this. I league. knew that. I did know that, and I forgot that. <laughs> in fact, I think Jared, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jared was one of the people that talked Brad in, into taking this job because Brad Brad left KC. He left the Chiefs and retired, and then conveniently resurfaced with the Bears. Yeah, and took some type of job with the Bears, and shortly after that. There was a story about the fact that I think Jared was among those that talked Brad into taking the Atlanta job here. Oh, interesting. So how about you know but, what I'm in on this? The first game is going to be on CBS the week after the Super Bowl. Yes, so and I, I think the championship is as well, right? I I think it goes from CBS with the first game, and I want to say then uh, there's a package of games like on CBS Sports Network. Yeah, and then uh, the championship game might be back on CBS. I'm going to start following these guys on Instagram right now because you know Phil, it's on CBS on CBS. Hello, friends. Adrian Peterson, though, Atlanta. Right. If you put that in, write I'm that put down. That, we'll write that it. down. Uh, Roy Smalley's going to join us. We'll talk some twins when we come back. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh.
That's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I think these guys get each other going. Mackey and Judd. It's a good group of guys. They're just waiting for everything to kind of click again and come back together. On 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd are talking twins. Now. Fourth time, Yasmani Grandal is homered against Chase Anderson. And now it's Dozier hitting a fly ball to center. Kane is back at the wall. Welcome to L.A. Brian Dozier. We're tied in the fifth. Yeah, that's uh, not not entirely shocking because Brian Dozier is uh, known to make a splash oh. once in a while. Oh, Patrick Royce delivering me Tim Horton's coffee. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate did, it. Did you bring any for Royce Smalley on the phone or no? No? Okay. Pat just Thanks, Pat. barged Bye. in here with a bunch of Tim Hortons. It's a big Tim Hortons, I'm happy. Roy, how's it going? Hi, Roy. It's great. It's great. I'm happy for Brian. It's yeah. really, really happy. I hope uh, I hope he uh, goes off here the second half like he's been known to do. Roy, do, do you agree with my assessment here, too? And, and as much as Brian was liked by the fan base here, do you agree that sometimes a, a sports and or baseball divorce is the best thing? Because I, I just think for the second consecutive year, Dozier was disillusioned with the fact that he had teammates traded. And I get that, but I just, I just think that this was probably a smart move on both sides to separate. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was going to, they, they were going to separate at the end of the year. I mean, that was, that was going to happen. Brian wasn't, you know, Brian was going to, uh, you know, test the free agent market. And, and um, I, I think he, he was uh, frustrated. And, and, I, and I get it why he would be. Uh, and it, not a whole lot more than, I, in his mind, if I put myself in his shoes, yep. what else do I have to do for this ball club in, in, before this the spring training of 2018 that they wouldn't, that, you know, what, what do I have to do to get a, a long-term deal just to, to finish my career here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, and, I, and I, I'm with him on that. I mean, I, I, hear, I, 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 I hear what he's, what his feeling about that. Um, but the, uh, from the twin standpoint, and I think baseball in general for these uh, new uh, breed of general managers that are and and uh, presidents of ball clubs that are you know that are kind of running the show now they they're not paying for guys and we, I think we saw it in um, in the free agent market uh, this year I don't think it was collusion I think these guys uh, individually have have just said uh, we've looked at the numbers and and we shift in defensively we've looked at the numbers and the data and the technology that that uh, the, the technology that uh, the data that technology brings us, and uh, when a guy passes uh, 30 years old, the production goes down, and we have to think long and hard about you know 50, 60, 80 million dollar contracts over four years. Brian will be 32 in May of next year, so uh, you know basically you know if they signed him, they're 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 getting starting next year a 32 year old uh, guy who's going to want a three or four year deal from somebody, and the Twins said, yeah. You know, I mean, it's we have to we we have issues in our organization where we have to get players, you know, in return for the the older players that have that still have you know good value. Yeah, what where do you think the Twins are in in their cycle here? I mean, I think so. We had Thad Levine on our show yesterday, and the way he put it was last year. If you're if there's a range of outcomes for your team based on injuries and productivity, last year was about as well as we could have hoped for to squeeze that much toothpaste out of the tube following a 100-loss season. And this year is about the worst possible scenario with injuries and suspension and your two key young players being in the minor leagues. 
Um, so maybe it's somewhere in the middle there. I mean, are they ready to be competitive again next year with a couple of things happening? Where do you think they are in this cycle? Well, first of all, I totally agree with uh, with Pat Levine on uh, his assessment of uh, of that. Uh, way, way uh, o- overperformed, and then and then underperformed this year. And there are reasons for the underperformance, obviously. But uh, the main reason for the underperformance, in my view, is what makes it impossible to really know where they are uh, at all because because of uh, Buxton and Sano. You just don't know yet uh, about those guys. And by this time, I think we all expected to know in an immensely positive way that these guys were going to lead this team You know, to uh, – they would be such uh, important contributors to the team that the surround, and the surrounding cast that they had – with the with the pitching help that they gave them uh, uh, over the winter, this was going to be a really competitive team, and it just it just didn't work. And you know, there's another can't put it all on them. I mean, Dozier didn't have a, 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 a good first half. Kepler's hitting 227. Uh, Morrison's you know struggling with the Mendoza line. You know, so there there are a lot of reasons why you know it didn't happen, but. It, Mainly, I mean, the big issues. The big issue uh, really is what have, what do we have with Bucks and Snow? Are they ever going to be, you know, playing in the lineup of, you know, for 550 at bats each for a full season? And are they going to live up to what they thought they were going to be uh, with the Twins? And we all think that they're still think that they're going to be. But if they're not, it's. I, I mean, I don't think. Falvey or Levine or Smalley can even begin to answer the question of where, where they are without knowing where Sano and Buxton are. Yeah. So, Roy, as a guy who played this game for a long time, tell me this. What would your plan for those two be this winter? So if if they if the Twins called you in and sat you down and said, we'd, we'd like to in- incorporate what you think about these two, because clearly if they come back in 2019 and, and thrive, then this was a disappointment, but it's not a death knell. But, I mean, these two are the top prospects that we've talked about to come through this franchise ever. So what what do you think uh, the different steps that Byron and Miguel need to take to give themselves the best chance possible to be successful starting next spring? Well, frankly, I'd like to see them play in winter ball someplace with a, with their personal hitting coach, uh, it, you know, it, for, you know, five, six, seven weeks. They go down, you know, and play, you know, play baseball. And uh, work on the things that uh, that you you know you you they you need to work on to uh, hone your uh, your hitting craft. They haven't had enough at bats in the big leagues yet, in in my view, and certainly not this year. And we'll see how um, how Sano does. I, I've been really encouraged by a few uh, at bats he's had uh, recently. Uh, and uh, staying on the ball longer, uh, I, I, he got jammed a couple of times. Uh, I love that he got a, he got a double uh, down uh, hit hit down near the label of the bat, um, and uh, I love that. I got jammed, hit the ball to right field. I love that. I mean, he needs to wait longer on the ball and, and identify, you know, those uh, breaking pitches that he used to miss by you know the two two feet, and and he's doing that. So. He, so it, I, I was encouraged. We'll see how the last two months of the season go. But if, but I, I don't, I don't know that I would say it's okay just to be on your own this winter after having that, especially with Byron, you know, and do the workouts that you do and all the, all those kinds of things, and come to spring training, and now everything will be 
will be different. I might I might think about you know having them play somewhere you know and uh, with with a hitting coach working every day on what it is that they're trying to do. I they're so they're so important. I w- I think that's a radical thing. I, you know I don't know that it's ever done anymore, um, but if they're so important to this team. Uh, I, I would consider something like that. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think what's always going to, even if, if if Snow hits 15 home runs the rest of the year and looks great, and I, I'm still going to have this thought in my head of his conditioning and the fact that they had to have a come-to-Jesus single-A six-week stretch to get him to lose 15 or 20 pounds. And I just feel like if you're a top, top serious professional athlete, and you can speak to this, I feel like you wake up in the morning and you take pride in all aspects of it. And, and, and hopefully, for his sake and the team's sake, this was kind of a light bulb moment of, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I wasn't taking it as seriously as, as I thought I was or as I should have, and now it's going to be different going forward. But I'm always going to be worried about, well, what if you, know, if, you, if you go hands-off with him, is he going to revert back to some of these sloppy habits on and off the field? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's. I, I think that you're not out of line worrying about that, right? So mm-hmm. I, uh, um, I'm hoping your exact expressed hope as well about in terms of the light bulb moment, and uh, maybe he'll uh, hopefully he'll he'll continue uh, with all of the things that you know that they enumerated. They talked about um, uh, in pretty direct terms about you know lifestyle and hitting stroke and you know and other things. So. Uh, I, but for so yeah, I, I think it's it's okay. I mean, I, I think it's appropriate to to be concerned about that, and we won't know for sure until we get through this next off season and see what it's you know what it's like in spring training. But just from the baseball side, I, I don't know that I'd feel you know if that I I'd feel great to say you know these guys haven't played ball, especially Byron. Like I said, I mean, he just hasn't played. And on the one hand, you want to say, you know, let's not have him play anymore. No, no more injuries, right? Let, let's get him to spring training healthy. On the other hand, you just can't take that much time away from big league pitching and then jump back in and, and say, you know, all the stuff I've been working on um, uh, on, on my own in a batting cage uh, this winter, um, I'm going to jump back in in spring training and start of the season and, and everything's fine now. I, I, I think it's a as I say, it's a kind of a radical idea, but I'd love to see them working against live pitching with a, with a, the hitting coach, whoever it is that they put in charge of the two of them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in this time uh, in the minor leagues, you know, maybe consider, you know, having the uh, take, making the, the the expense of having them play four, five, six, seven weeks, whatever it is, just play some play some good baseball working on the things you're working on. I love that. Yeah. Uh, Roy, let's back up t- uh, to March. And and every w- one of us at the time thought it was great, I think. Uh, Lance Lynn signs. Morrison signs. And we're all at that time saying, this is fantastic. These guys are still out there, and you sign them, and, and they're going to become uh, potentially valuable components of your team. In retrospect, I think the one thing that none of us thought about was this. A bunch of veteran players on, on one-year contracts, so some of whom, whom certainly felt that, that they got screwed by the system, okay? Uh, how much do you think thought needs to be given to clubhouse dynamics? Because when we looked at the statistics and we looked at the players, we thought it's great. I think what we didn't look at was, are they going to be happy about being here? Are they going to be good teammates? Uh, in retrospect now, as we look, look back, how much do we have to examine that too? Because I think what you did see was a bunch of guys 
who potentially didn't think that they were were given what they deserved and were basically trying to play for, for themselves to a certain degree? Well, I think it's a reasonable question. I, I don't know how much... Um, it, it, I, I think there's two things. If if there were something known, if you could call, if you could talk to people about what kind of personalities they were in the clubhouses that they were leaving, uh, and you get good reports on them, and then they come over and they're angry and, and bitter because of the lack of, uh, of, of dollar interest and therefore dollars, and uh, they're bad guys in the clubhouse as a result, you can't know that. Uh, you can't know that they're going to react that way, and that's that would be if if that happened, that would be tremendously disappointing. Um, if but I mean, if you if you get reports that um, you know this guy or that guy is, is is got this these kinds of idiosyncrasies or worse in the or, or worse term in the in the clubhouse, I, I think you got to consider that. I, I really do. Um, not every team cares uh not every team there have been a lot of teams and i've been on some teams that where the personalities in the clubhouse were pretty disparate and and not always uh cohesive and you know team won anyway I mean, most notably when i was with you know in new york with the yankees uh there have been lots of uh situations in history where guys didn't get along all that great but and won world championships so it doesn't always matter. I think it matters to this group of kids, and um, you might, for better or worse, you might want to consider personalities in the clubhouse. Um, you know, for when the backbone of your team is pretty young. Yeah. Hey, last thing for you here, Roy. Just kind of looking ahead. I was telling these guys earlier, like yesterday and today. I really like the pitching. I like I like a lot of the pitchers and the arms that they've that they've acquired even in the fire sale over the last week. There's a couple really nice arms. Uh double A, but then if you look at Gibson and he's presumably going to be on the team next year. Barrios has emerged, all-star, right? Mejia has conquered every level of the minor leagues and pitched really well yesterday for the most part. I, I kind of like where they're at arm-wise here going into 2019, and that doesn't even include if they were to add somebody in free agency. What What do you think about their pitching? Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you. I, I and um, Fernando uh, Romero is is going to be a big yeah. league pitcher. Uh, he's he would be uh, he would be in there, and they've got some other arms. Uh, and that's not it, you know, and that's not including Odorizzi and and who's locked up and. Uh, who is uh, he, he may not be your your front uh, three guys e- even with these young kids, but he's a but he's a capable big league pitcher. So yeah, yeah I I feel that way. I feel like they can um, they can improve the bull, continue to improve uh, the bullpen. But I the pitching hasn't been hasn't been nearly the issue that it has in the past cl- clearly. And I'll just say this: what I think people need to remember is speaking of young arms. I mean, and, and young talent. They got 11 players in the minor leagues, essentially for three guys that were not going to be here after this year. And Zach Duke, who, you know, it, it, I like a lot, but is not necessarily part of the long-term solution here. That's that's 11 talented people that, you know, they may or may not help, but three or four of them within the next three or four years become, you know, big league players. Then they they've they've made some really some really good deals or if three or four of them become part of a uh, of a couple of trade packages that help them get over the hump then they've made some really nice deals here so this is going to take a while to play out yep great stuff roy we'll talk Thanks, soon roy. see ya
All right. All right, Roy Smalley, Fox Sports North. Always good. Love his insight. I know. He's so good. It's outstanding. We're going to talk to Matthew Collar from Vikings Training Camp, get an update on things uh, in about, I don't know, a half hour or so. And then if you missed Thad Levine's pretty lengthy interview with us yesterday, we will play that back at 1230-ish. Mackie and Joe. Phil Mackie. Poke it out of the bunker, two putt for a 10. You lost the course. And then I lit myself on fire. Judd Zolgad. Am I just getting old and super cranky or old and sort of cranky? Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Who's winning a TCL TV $150 Visa gift card or Jersey Mike's gift card just for listening to 1500 ESPN sound? Those prizes and more are up for grabs on the 1500 ESPN stream player. Earn entries by hitting daily, weekly, and monthly listening thresholds, a.k.a. the more you listen, the more chances you have to win. Head to 1500ESPN.com and start winning. Thanks, Murph. All right, Matthew Collar from Training Camp in 20 minutes or so. We've got some some more NFL predictions to make. They're popular the first time. Why hour. not? Yep. So uh, what do you think of Roy's, Roy's kind of out there uh, notion that if he had his way, Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton would face major league caliber or at least professional pitching this offseason. Well, I loved it. Either in a winter league it's or part of the some other plan. setup. It's part of the Zolgat plan. I think you've got to tell, in Buxton's case, I think you have to take steps to get him playing time and get him healthy. But you're not concerned. You're concerned about can he hit up here, but you're not concerned about the, the work that he's going to be w- willing to do. So I think if you outline a plan to him, he's going to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it. Um, the Sano plan, though, and, and th- this is where I guess I guess you would need to tread lightly with the union to a certain extent. I'm not allowing him out of my sight. Like, if he goes home, I'm sending a person with him. I'm sen- and, and Roy's plan is perfect. Miguel, Miguel, I am legitimately concerned, though. And you're going to have people now that say, well, he went to Florida and he gets it. I'm not sold on that yet. I'm sold on the fact he went to Florida and realized that it was a, a, that he had put himself in a bad situation. But I'm not convinced that if I pat him on the back after the last game and I say, you know, go to it, big boy, hope things go well, that he's not going to come back to Twins Fest weighing 310. So I love I love Smalley's plan, and I would, if I was the Twins, I would work to say we are not going to let you out of our sight maybe for a week or so, but not consistently. Yeah, I mean, he'd have to be on board with it or it's meaningless. Yeah. Ultimately, if he doesn't want to wake up in the morning and dominate his craft yeah, then- and all the things that go into it, not just like show up and swing at fastballs that are belt high middle in, but eat right, get your... Get your body right, mind, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's be a professional. Yeah, it's it's this is your livelihood. And you have a chance to make crazy money here in a couple of years if you do all if, those things. If you can spend the rest of the season getting a read on that and the answer comes back, he's not going to. Then I, I think it goes to what you said, which is you hope that he starts to hit home runs and you can get something for him. Something else to note on Byron Buxton. I would absolutely not shut him down for the year. Because I'm with Roy. You can't just not face pitching. I know his wrist is sore. So I sit him out for the next three to four weeks to get the wrist 100% right. However long that takes. I, I mean, I guess if it takes two months, then he's out for the year. But I'd sit him down for a month. And then I would consider September call-up so that he can face Major League pitching for the last month to see where he's at. Here's the asterisk. He needs 13 more days of Major League service time to qualify for arbitration to get to get another year of major league service time under his belt. If you were to sit him out the rest of the year, you'd get an additional year of Byron Buxton because he would he would have been in the minor leagues for however many weeks this year. Right. 
So you would, by by sitting him out, you'd effectively gain a full year of Byron Buxton if you thought that he was going to turn a corner at some point. So is there a delicate dance you could play where he comes back for like the last 10 days, but that would look awfully fishy to the union? <laughs> yeah, I think you have to. I think I think the conversation has to be not service time, not concern about control or contract. It's what's going to be best to save him. Yeah. Uh, six five one six four six eight two five five. Dale, you're on the show. Yeah, um, a couple things, you guys. Good show. Um, how do I put this? <laughs> People need to stop putting Buxton and Sano in the same kind of sentence. I know it's kind of the same. They both been kind of letdowns. Two separate entities. Two separate issues. Two separate parts of the world. First of all, Sano. I mean, can he prolong his career in any NHL in baseball? I mean, can he ever be mature enough, in shape enough, consistent enough? Does he got the talent? Yes. The other questions, I don't know. I mean, all-star to getting down, sent down to what, single A? Yes. And the box said, my God, you guys. <sighs> okay. Is he ever going to be healthy? He was hurt in the minors. Oh, I got to pull this, a pull that. You know, thank God he doesn't play football. <laughs> because this guy would get hurt walking through the locker room, yeah. you know. It I is mean, annoying. It, it, yeah. Oh, oh, I got to always look at what Tory Hunter used to play with. You know what, Buxton, man up, play with a little pain. You candy, you know what? A double F. Thank you, Dale. Thank you, Dale. Dale, Dale is bringing as frustrated as I get. But with Buxton too, you've got to go. He he's right though. It's two very different cases in this sense. Sano can do it. The question is, want to. Buxton, the question still is, can he do it? I don't think these are questionable borderline injuries, though. I think it's like, oh, he's he's got a strained wrist and he can't really. Swing I'm much more concerned about one question: Can he hit here? Yeah, healthy or not? Sure. Can he hit here? Agreed. I don't and know. Then beyond that, if he can hit, is he able to stay on the field for 150? And like, that's the second question. I know Sano can. My question to, to him is, do you want to be good? NFL predictions. When we come back, another round this week of NFL predictions. But uh, right now. Uh, right now we're watching the Women's British Open on this TCL 4K Roku TV. In about 30 minutes, we're going to be watching the Bridgestone. That's right. Tiger Woods in 4K picture quality as he drops and pours in birdies and eagles on the back nine while Max and I celebrate going back to our uh, boyhood idol, Tiger Woods. And it's it's all great on this TCL 4K Roku TV when you're watching sports. Because you get the best picture quality you're going to find. In fact, go to any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and just compare with your own two eyes a TCL TV next to some of the other brands. And you'll find there's a reason why TCL is taking the world by storm and why it's America's fastest-growing TV brand. And with the built-in Roku device, you get really easy access to thousands of streaming channels. On one page, you get your cable and satellite channels. On the next page, you literally just page over with the Roku remote. And you get 4,000-plus streaming channels, 450,000-plus movies and TV show episodes. TCL.